Hello, everyone. We have such an exciting episode for you today. Today, we um, for this episode, we sat down with Carissa Brim, and Haley's going to introduce her a little bit. So Carissa is a writer, a podcast host, and she is a supporter of other people moving through trauma towards healing, specifically um, people who have experienced sexual assault trauma. So she, surprisingly, we were just talking about this, like it was a really good conversation. And I think we talked about it in a really fun um, and more light uplifting way. Yeah, way. More, yeah. yeah, more uplifting, not fun, um, but more <laughs> uplifting. And Carissa's energy was just like so good. And she was super sweet, super nice. And I could relate to her on a lot of things. So I think that if, unfortunately, you can relate with your story, I think you'll find a lot of good resources from Carissa. For sure. And even though, like, I haven't experienced sexual assault, luckily, um, like, I can relate to the conversation on some level, like, with trauma that I've experienced in my life. So truly, like, any, like, trauma that you've had in your life, I think you can take something away from this episode. And we'll leave all of Carissa's information in our show notes. So be sure to connect with her as well. And let's get into the interview. Welcome to the show, Carissa. We're so happy you're here. We'll have you first start by introducing yourself. Kind of tell us what your mission is and how you got started. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. This is great. Uh, Yeah, so my name is Carissa Brim, and I'm a writer, podcaster, honestly, just a storyteller, whatever form or fashion. (laughs) And uh, really, my mission is to offer connection and support to others moving through trauma towards healing. So, you know, how how do I end end up on this easy breezy topic of trauma, uh, particularly <laughs> sexual assault? It's the worst, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think like a lot of people who care strongly about something, you know, you have your own personal experience and realize, hey, there's something missing here. And so that was kind of my my experience. I uh, in college um, experienced sexual assault and didn't know what the heck happened, didn't know how to get help or resources and, you know, spent almost, I don't know, a decade not really dealing with it. And I got to a point in my marriage where I was losing it. (laughs) Honestly, you know, there's not really a better way to describe it. I um, was getting triggered. I didn't even know to call it that at the time. Um, And yeah, I've if I were to describe myself during that time period, I would say I was the happiest, angry person you've ever met. <laughs> I just had this like very, you know, successful, bubbly outside persona and inside I was crumbling. I was experiencing rage blackouts and just knew something was wrong. And so I started getting help and, you know, just kind of intuitively had a hunch that maybe it was the sexual assault that I never really processed that was causing me to respond this way. And yeah, when I started looking for resources, I was like, there's, I'm not seeing anything, you know, like there were a lot of resources for what to do the day after, but, you know, yeah. years later, it was like, good luck, kid, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah. So that's when I was like, once I got to a more like grounded, you're never like, quote, healed, but once I felt like I had a better ownership of my healing, um, that's when I decided I wanted to to kind of offer what what I felt I needed at the time. That is amazing. And I think like it's important that you touch on like the healing journey after the fact that it happened because there's a lot that you can do like within the first 24 hours. But then after that, like so a lot of people don't deal with their trauma until years after, just like you were saying. 
And then there's nothing like physically you can do. You can kind of just like mentally try and work through it. And that can be really hard. And I was actually looking at your website um, when you had first first reached out and you had so many resources on there that after I was sexually assaulted, I was like trying to desperately find those things and I couldn't, but then like you had them and I was like, oh my gosh, like she knows exactly how I feel. This is amazing. So I love the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. That's so encouraging to hear because I don't know, like you, as someone trying to help and create these resources, I'm like, well, I needed this, but maybe I was the only one. Maybe I'm a weirdo, right? <laughs> Even though you know that's yeah. that, there's that little voice in the back of your head. So yeah, so of course. Because yeah, it's um, you know, it's kind of a it's a hard thing to talk about. It's super taboo, and so it's hard to see a normal average person living out their life talking about it, and so it can feel really stigmatized just from the just from the jump. For sure. Yeah, because so many people experience it, men and women, primarily mm-hmm. women, but I've never experienced it myself, but like I know so many people that have. And even though there's so many people that have gone through that, like nobody talks about it that often. Like you both were saying, like you couldn't find resources really. And mm-hmm. especially for like you starting to deal with it so much later after it happened, like that's got to be difficult too, because you're like, it was so long ago. Like I should be over it. But Like you said, you don't really fully heal ever. Yeah, exactly. You just took the words right out of my mouth. I can't even give you the number of times I thought to myself, I should be over this by now. (laughs) You know, like time heals all wounds, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, jokes. No, it doesn't. But you know, like you you (laughs) started this far, you know? Yeah. And I I don't know, our bodies are weirdly wise. And so they know, you know, they kind of protect us from certain realities when we're not ready to face it or if we're not in a place of safety. And then when we start to find that safety and we start to find, you know, the resourcing, whatever, then all of a sudden things start to crop up. And it's like our body saying, hey, it's time to deal with this. And it can feel really embarrassing. Honestly, that's kind of the word that came to mind for me. Like, it feels really embarrassing to be so far removed from it and then just be cluing in to like, hey, that impacted me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's like the hardest part when triggers come up and you're like, the thought of like, I should be over this, but almost like, you don't want to be feeling that. And so it's frustrating because you don't want to be triggered. You don't want to be thinking about those things. And for me, like I've gone through lots of therapy and like specialized therapy and stuff like that. And I still get triggered. And for me, I'm like, why is this happening? Like, I don't even want to be thinking about this when I'm being intimate with my partner that I love or like when I'm just walking down the street, but it comes up at the worst times. So how do you have any like tips or advice on how to deal with that or try to get over it? Yeah, gosh, that's so true. I definitely resonate with what you just said. It's it feels like when you finally get a handle on like certain triggers, then all of a sudden you have these new triggers and it just kind of feels at some points like, am I just going to be doing this for the rest of my life? Like, is this, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of like reality for me? And I think, I don't know, I've, in my experience, when I put a judgment on the trigger or when I like allow myself to feel 
like frustrated and let that be an indicator that I'm not doing the work or I'm not making progress, then I think it, um, it makes me spiral, right? It makes me feel like I'm just going to be caught in this trap of pain forever. So I've tried to take on an opposite approach, which is just to watch the trigger happen and meet it with curiosity rather than judgment. So when I get triggered to be curious about like, okay, what is it this time that like really came up for me? What's what's kind of nuanced in this situation or what's different about how I'm responding? Because, you know, if I looked at how I responded to certain triggers a year ago, it's actually really different than how I'm responding now. So I'm still having a reaction, but there is sign of growth. Like there is sign of, you know, increased groundedness and it's hard to see that when you're dealing with it on the day to day, you know, when you kind of step back and realize, okay, I'm recovering from this spiral a little bit quicker or, okay, I'm going further between triggers that can help to give you that motivation that the work's paying off. Cause that's hard sometimes. That is really helpful advice because when you get triggered in any manner, like it doesn't just have to be with sexual assault, then it's frustrating and you can get mad. Like I just get mad when I get triggered, but taking a step back and saying like, okay, this is a lot better than a year ago when I would like full on break down. Like right now I'm just having, shedding a few tears. Like this is better, (laughs) you know? Yes. Yes. That's so true. And even, you know, to that same point, um, even finding good ways to define like what success looks like. Right. So I think yeah, I sometimes we shame ourselves for our tears, right? It's like, mm-hmm. man, these tears are a sign of weakness or a sign that I can't get over it or whatever. And it's like, I've learned to define that as well. This is really healing for me. I, I, ha- I have to like get this energy through my body. And the fact that I'm able to cry about it is really good evidence that it's not just hauling up inside of me and not being worked through. So, you know, just trying to find those ways to like infuse self-compassion into the spirals is really helpful. Yeah, I agree. You have to be able to feel everything or else it's just going to keep coming up because your body is trying to tell you, you need to deal with this. So the longer you just put it off, it just gets worse and worse. Totally. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm like a pretty I don't know, emotional person. I've got some Italian in me, so <laughs> I, I, I emote pretty easily. But it's it's kind of wild how the things that feel the most intense, sometimes I have to like hack my cry, you know, like I have to like yep. figure out how to trick myself into getting it out sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I know it feels so dramatic. I was doing this last night journaling. I was like, I feel like this is something I need to cry about. And I just kind of like leaned my head against my bed frame. I was like, I just need to let it out. And I felt so much better. <laughs> Yes. Oh my gosh. Sometimes you just need like a rainy window and a like in your song to like stare out and get it going, you know? Yes, exactly. That's so perfect. We've all been there. So. Yes. <laughs> time and time. <laughs> but I think it is like really healthy to like have the self-awareness to know because especially like after something traumatic like sexual assault or some other trauma happens, like it, like all, I think all three of us can relate to the fact of like having to really learn about yourself, like how you deal with that emotion and like yeah. why your triggers come up, which we've talked about a little bit already, but like the tools that you have for yourself to deal with it. And whether that's like crying for 10 minutes or like going <laughs> on a walk or whatever, like you have to be able to like know how to deal with it. Yeah, that's a really good, that's a really good um, element of this conversation. Cause I think sometimes we put so much emphasis on removing the trigger which 
you know, yes, of course, no one wants to be triggered. Like that is a thing that we would love to work for and towards. But there's also this other side where resourcing yourself for how to respond is just as important. And so I don't know, sometimes the the ways to respond can almost seem seem too simple, you know, like just breathing deeply or, you know, like finding five things of a different color in a room, you know, like there's really simple things that actually work super well to, to bring your emotions down and kind of like tether you back in the present rather than the past where trauma responses are like consistently pulling you. And so kind of figuring out what, you know, what um, grounding exercises work for you is huge because it's different for everyone. So finding yours is a really great thing to be able to to do to move forward. I think so too. So we'll switch gears a little bit. There okay. are certain stereotypes about victims of sexual assault. Um, do yeah. you, can you speak a little bit about this and like how those stereotypes impact somebody who's trying to heal from this? Yeah, absolutely. This is hugely important to the conversation. Um, my friend Bethany, Bethany Frey, um, she and I have a podcast as well. And this was our entire first episode because it feels like this is like, if we can only say one hour's worth of content, this is what we want to talk about <laughs> because it's a big deal. You know, the the narratives that we lend to things and the stories that we tell around people and experiences impact how it's perceived, how you move forward, and just kind of the, the entire landscape of it. So when it comes to being a survivor, we're given very limited vocabulary for starters. You're either a victim or a survivor. <laughs> There's like no nuance in between. And I don't, I can't speak for everyone, but I know depending on the day, I either feel 0% like a survivor or insulted by the idea of being a victim. <laughs> and the reality is it's a really weird combination of both. Similarly with stereotypes, you know, I think, I think the, the media, TV shows, you know, whatever, I think we're getting a little bit more nuance when it comes to showing visually what it looks like to be a survivor. But gosh, even like five years ago, I feel like the narratives where you were either this like weird, sullen goth who, you know, was just like angry or this really promiscuous kind of like power suit who is destroying her own life and flipping about her relationships. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, whether there's, I, there's obviously more stereotypes that play in, but those are kind of like the visuals that I at least absorbed. And so when I was going through the process of naming my assaults, like coming to terms with what happened, I didn't feel like I fit into any of these stereotypes. And so I started to question if what happened to me was even what happened to me. <laughs> mm. You know, it's, kind of like if you're going to the doctor to get help, if your symptoms don't seem to match, you know, the symptoms for a specific disease, then you can't get that diagnosis and then you can't get that medicine. Mm -hmm. So I think similarly with stereotypes, like when you, when you absorb that you're supposed to look a certain way and then you don't, you start to disqualify yourself from the healing that's available. That is really interesting and something that I've never really thought about, but mm -hmm. I can definitely relate. I can relate to it and I didn't even know like that this is what it was relating to because I had similar feelings of like looking at like examples in the media or just like we hear like rape 
and we think of like one big thing but like my therapist like I was like oh yeah I was sexually assaulted and like you know she had to work me through like what happened to you was rape like and so like I think that there's a lot of things like a lot of things after it happens to you that can cause you to question and I went through that too of like okay if it didn't look like what I'm seeing here did that even happen? Like, am I making it bigger in my head? And then I would like question myself all the time, especially when like, I went to the police and like, nothing happened after that. So like, in my mind, I was like, well, what did it even happen? Like, was it, was it worth going through all of this? Because nobody's believing me anyways. And so I feel like that kind of relates to like seeing examples in the media and just in like, in general, we see all these examples. And when you don't fit into that box, it makes it really hard and you can question yourself. Well, and I think that's why it's so important that like you guys, for example, are like sharing your stories because like you're not in in the media, you're not in Hollywood. Like you guys are like normal women that are living their <laughs> lives. And so sharing examples of like how you can like heal and how your life can look after like in a positive way, I think is really great. And it's important to share your own personal experiences. Absolutely. Because there's like my brain goes two places in response to what you both said. I think first is if we're just going to be completely blunt and honest, I think sometimes there's a stereotype that survivors are going to be weird, (laughs) that they're going to be reckless with sharing their story, that they're going to share too much too fast and make it weird for everyone. And listen, that's the case for any experience in life. Like you're going to find people who overshare. Right. Yeah. (laughs) The more that we um, keep our stories to ourselves and we keep it in the shadows and we don't talk about it, the more we reinforce this really unfair stereotype. Because there are so many of us, like looking at you women included, like who are successful, grounded people making a change in this world who have also had this experience. And so the more that we can see representation that like you said looks quote normal I mean I'm a weirdo but (laughs) (laughs) we all all are to some degree (laughs) yeah yeah so the more we can like infuse humanity into it the the less these stereotypes keep it hidden you know Mm -hmm. and then to what you said Haley I just man I think you've touched on a really important piece which is the the stereotypes about the act itself, you know, I think we're given like some very um, like taken, you know, like is a movie, right? We're like, yeah, movies, like dramatic scenes play out. And I'm not here to say that that's not a reality. Unfortunately, like those situations do occur. But there are a lot of other types of sexual assault and rape that are a lot more nuanced. They look a lot less like rape at the beginning than you think it's gonna. And I think that that's when we don't talk about that reality. I think we set women, men too, but like for this purpose of this conversation and sharing from my experience, I think we set ourselves up for um, being placed in dangerous situations that we don't realize are dangerous until too far in because we're looking for red, you know, red flags that are, we think they're gonna be a lot bigger than they actually are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a common one, like cover your drink when you go out so that you don't get drugged. Mm-hmm. And like, I know that a lot of sexual assault and rape happens 
from people that you know. And so like a lot of times you're not looking for that, the big red flag because you don't think it's there. But in reality, it can happen in like with very intimate people or very in very close quarters with you. And so I think that's really important what you said, like sharing our stories and talking about these things make it so that those things are more of a reality to people and not just the big things that we all know or think about. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a two prong, it has a two prong impact. One is it helps protect, you know, ourselves in the future, but also like you were saying earlier, for the women who've already experienced it, it helps you like hold on to what you know is true about what happened to you mm-hmm. without having to like wade through the like, oh, it wasn't as bad as this. So did it even happen? You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just think I think that's so important. And I really appreciate you bringing that up because that's a big thing that I struggled with. And I know that other people struggle with as well of like thinking even now, like questioning myself like, oh, was it really that bad? And then I'm I have to ground myself and be like, yeah, what happened was really <laughs> traumatic and terrible and yes. it really changed your life. So like but even now, like it, it's it's easy to go there and think about that. So I think that's really important that you touched on that and I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's true. It's a thing. <laughs> yeah. So, do you have any advice like for healing especially cuz I think there there is a lot of resources out there on what to do like after you're sexually assaulted. So, do you have any advice for healing in the long term or any hope you can offer for people who are going through it and are like really not able to see the light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah. Gosh, I wish there was like a magic phrase. <laughs> you know, I wish I had like the one thing. Um I think what is so hard about just trauma in general is it literally rewires your DNA. <laughs> you know, like the way that your nervous system responds to life is different, you know? And this is not pun intended this isn't a sexy answer (laughs) because it's just like not cool but like I really think you have to grieve it you know like just it's so hard to look at what happened say exactly what it is say exactly like what it took from you and like like let it hurt you know like that is so hard to do. It's so uncomfortable. It puts you in a position to have to like grapple with, you know, like your sense of power and control, which are huge things. And so like, that's not something you just like swan dive into, <laughs> you know, you kind of have right. to like baby step into it with someone, you know, a professional, if you can afford it and have access to it with other resources, if you don't. But I think, the grieving process is what ultimately allows us to come to a place where we find some sort of acceptance, you know, not acceptance in the, in like by way of like, Oh, it's okay that it happened. It's obviously not okay that it happened. Yeah. But I think that helps to restore a little bit of, of peace moving forward as you continue to deal with it. You know, I think going along with that, this is something my therapist told me that, goes hand in hand with that. And it was really helpful to me because at first I, for like a year after I didn't grieve it. Like I just 
went through the motions. I like immediately stepped into activism and just like tried to bring awareness to it. And I didn't just grieve about it. And so my therapist, she told me, she was like, um, and this was kind of recent. She was like, you need to look at yourself when that happened because I was I'm 21 now and I was, I had just turned 19. So this was two years ago. Um, but even though I was already a, an adult, I feel like when it happened, it really like forced me to like see reality and grow up in a way that I never had to before. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I just lost like some really important things that I could have been experiencing in, at that time in my life. But I wasn't because I was like so anxious all the time and like going through all the motions that your body does after that happens. And so my therapist told me like, go back to my 19 year old self and literally look at myself as two different people. Look Mm -hmm. at myself as like the one who experienced the trauma and me now with like all of the knowledge and healing I have now and literally hold my own hand and walk myself through it. Like look at it as like two distinct people. And that was like very life-changing for me because I was like, yes, like it still affects me now, but like I can look at this version of myself as someone who's empowered and someone who's walking my very hurt self through the trauma. Like I can do it for myself. Yeah. So I think that goes like hand in hand of like accepting and grieving, like fully grieving and mourning like what happened to you. Yeah. That's such a powerful image. Because I think the the fear that whether we register it consciously or if it stays subconscious, there's a fear that if I go back into the past to that 19-year-old self for you, or like 18, 19, the like 22-year-old self in me, like if we go back there and count the cost of all that was taken in that moment, that it will be too much, that we won't be able to keep going, that it will like flatten us. And the idea of having your current self who is resourced and has these access to these internal and external resources to go back into that is such a good visual for what needs to happen. Like you're, you're going to be okay. You've already made it through it, but you do need to be able to just acknowledge like what, what was real there and kind of not to like Pollyanna it, but like by doing that, you're also able to highlight the strength that you've gained as a result. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's like, it is really important. And I really liked how she said, just like make two versions of yourself because then you're recognizing all of the hurt, but you're also recognizing all of the power that you've gained and all the knowledge and healing. So you're kind of like bringing them together, which is helpful to me. Yeah. You have to be able to see how far you've come. And there was a quote from a book I read that it, it said, you're never going to move on. You're just going to move through. So like in order to do that, you have to go back to when it first began and then look at your journey from then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's important to like have those expectations. You're, you're like, unfortunately, you're never going to go back to the version that you were before. And like the longer that you hold on to that either spoken or unspoken hope, the more pain and suffering you create for yourself when you set the expectation that you are, like you said, moving through it and becoming a new version of you and that there are elements of trauma growth, which is a thing that like not a lot of people talk about. Like when you can um, start to look for and adopt that trauma growth, you know, that makes it a little bit easier to, to, to do the hard digging up work, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I've never heard that term before, trauma growth. Could you talk about it a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Oh man, for someone who like tends to be like positive poly, I really latch on <laughs> to this idea. <laughs> because it's like um I would say it's like the version of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger which oh my gosh I don't want to get stronger you know like I I am fine thanks (laughs) right (laughs) so it's kind of like that sort of idea but with some science behind it so when you experience trauma you go through it with your body and you figure out how to like come out of it and you figure out how to resource yourself. You figure out how to move forward, how to reclaim parts of your life. You figure out how to navigate tra- um, sorry, triggers and how to um, like take self-care to a whole new level, right? Like there's a lot of work that it takes internally to kind of figure out how to operate at a baseline level with everyone else. And, and once you're able to do that, you've exercised these muscles that others just simply either haven't or haven't yet, right? Like mm-hmm. used to say, trauma comes for most of us, unfortunately. But by doing that, you end up with certain aspects and qualities that can be applied to other areas of life outside of just your trauma and triggers. And so that's kind of my understanding of, of trauma growth. You've, you've developed a new muscle um, as a result of all of it. That's really cool. I like that because it is a positive spin on like, mm-hmm. you can't change what happened to you, but now you're stronger for it. So a little more positive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you have any more tips, advice, or resources that you want to share with our listeners before we end? Sure. Yeah. I think if I would just like sum it all up, like what, what is my biggest takeaway? And if I like caught you in an elevator and somehow we like accidentally started talking about trauma. <laughs> <30 seconds. laughs> <laughs> like, let me off that elevator, honestly. <laughs> Oh my gosh. But yeah, if I could just like sound bite it, I think it's self-compassion. You know, like it's you are a human person responding to a really hard thing. And so like your response to what happened makes sense and it is not beyond understanding. So you can like find ways to I don't know, make sense of your experience and find ways to move forward. Um, and you know, everyone responds a little bit differently, but there are some really common attributes. And so the, when you're able to kind of notice your own patterns and kind of pick out like, oh, this is how I respond. That's really helpful for finding resources for that specific response. So mm-hmm. speaking of resources, I, um, <laughs> yeah, on my website have a quiz that I have found super helpful and others have as well. Um, so if you go to carissabram.com slash quiz, uh, you can take it there and it's, yeah, to help you kind of figure out what your go-to responder might be. And from there, you can kind of move in that direction to find resources to, to kind of kickstart that part of your healing journey. Perfect. Yeah. You have a ton of resources on your website. So everybody be sure to check all that out <laughs> and we'll put your website in our show notes. Is there any other way, like any other platform that you connect with people? 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm mostly on Instagram. So I'm at Carissa Brim over there and we're about ready to hop into Mardi Gras season. So now's a fun time to <laughs> to follow me over awesome. there. Awesome. That's so fun. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, be sure for all of our listeners to go check out Carissa's website because I found so many things that were really helpful. Um, so definitely go check that out. It'll be in the show notes and then feel free to connect with Carissa on Instagram. Thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation. I did too. (laughs) Which is kind of weird, right? It's a hard thing to talk about. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 